All right, welcome to the Sleepers Podcast, Thursday, October 19th. This is a pretty unique episode today, a special edition, you could say. As you can tell, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, Sleepers Media, by the way, subscribe. I'm alone today. I'm solo. Just me, Greg Waddell here. Carter Elliott is out gallivanting around the West Coast. Uh, last that I checked, he was going to be hiking in some massive canyon this morning. In fact, I did receive this text uh, at 8.55 a.m. Eastern time, so 5.55 a.m. his time. He said, if my life ends, don't show up to my funeral lying. This would be an awful way to go out, and I want you to make sure that that's known. And then he sent me a picture of this massive uh, Zion National Park in Utah, I guess, is where he's hiking. I don't know. I'm not an outdoors guy. I probably should have known what that is. But I also thought he was in Arizona like an hour ago. Who knows? Him and his wife, his wife's birthday trip, they're having a blast. Point is, he texted me last night and said he can't make today's episode work. People, that's not okay here at Sleepers Media Enterprises. I mean, it's okay because I fully support him taking some time, being on vacation, being the best husband he can be. But uh, the show must go on. We broke this news to the Discord, and the Discord, rightfully so, was not too happy with us. So here I am to make do with what I can today. Uh, and because of that, this is going to be a totally different style episode. It's going to be the roast of Carter Elliott for the first half, and then it's going to be G Radio, a.k.a. Greg Radio, the whole second half. I asked everybody in the Discord to uh, send in voice recordings with questions, comments, anything they want. Uh, I listened to some of them. I haven't listened to all of them, but I'm going to respond to all of them. We're going to run it like a radio show. You'll hear the voices of the biggest supporters of Sleepers Nation. And uh, I can't wait. This should be a really, really fun episode. So uh, we're going to get to the roast portion here in just a moment. Let me preface this by saying we do have some surprise special guests who uh, signed up to participate in this roast. And I really put a lot more effort into this than I intended to today. So uh, I just want to start out by saying, if you haven't seen a roast, it's a roast. Like, it, it's it's meant to be a little, uh, you know, comedically mean to the big big fella, Carter Elliott over there. So uh, I love him. I want to make sure that's known on the front end. Everything said is with pure love. But if he's going to abandon me on an episode, he's going to open the door for some humor. And uh, I guess I'll leave it at that. Let's get to the show today. Without further ado, the roast of Carter Elliott. It's so great to be here at the roast of Carter Elliott. Last year, over drinks in Lincoln, Nebraska, I asked Carter if he had any advice for me as an expecting father. He told me, and I quote, just be there. Well, it's great to see that he can't follow his own advice as he abandoned me for this show. A lot of people ask me, how did I first meet Carter? And uh, it's a pretty simple story. When I first met him, it was New Year's Eve, 2012. We were at a mutual friend's apartment for a New Year's Eve party. And after about an hour of drinking, Carter and his now wife disappeared to what I believe was an upstairs bedroom for about an hour and a half. For years, I just assumed that they were having a little consensual relationship fun. Until years later when I found out that they were just binge-watching New Girl for an hour and a half. You see, Carter may look like this big, tough, semi-athletic man, but deep down inside, I truly believe that he is a white girl at heart. 
I mean, this man has an entire playlist that consists of only, quote, white people music. And he unprompted plays it in the car more than anything else when we're on road trips. This is a man who would rather watch Outer Banks than college basketball. His favorite players in college basketball last season, in order, were Joey Hauser, Paul Mulcahy, Hunter Couture, Brooks Barnheiser, and Matthew Meyer. That's not a joke. That's a fact. And I get this is supposed to be a roast. That means jokes. All I'm doing is saying facts, so uh, I need some help here. Let's get one of Carter Elliott's favorite white people, Riley Davis, to join the show. Riley, take it over. Cart, what's up, man? Got my son here. He wanted to roast you since you tried to slander him next week. Says he already has a higher vertical than you. Can you hear him? Uh, Says you're a waste of height and you're about, let's see... Like skipping two or three of Megan's vegan meals uh, away from being shaped like 2023 Raymond Felton. Anything else, Theo? Yep. Yeah. Let your Uncle Cart know what's up. He says you put him to sleep. He's boring as hell. Riley, thank you so much for that. I know you have a very busy schedule these days, and uh, you certainly could have been showing Creed songs to your infant child, so I greatly appreciate you making time for the Carter Elliott Roast. You know, Carter always says, we're not a math podcast, but I think the truth is, he's just not a math podcaster, but I am. So since he's out today, here are some important numbers that I thought would be worth sharing. 0.21, that's Bob Huggins' blood alcohol content level when he was arrested for a DUI. Coincidentally, zero is also how many games Carter started as a sophomore at Albion, and 21 is how many games he played that season. Another key number, 39. That's how many tweets Carter has tweeted with the words Taylor Swift in them. 39, coincidentally, is also the number of games that Michigan State basketball has lost in the last three seasons, which just so happens to be more than Illinois, Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan in that span. Which is a great segue into our next roaster, someone who knows all about losing basketball games, the only Pitt fan brave enough to show his face on camera, Tristan Freeman. All right, so thanks to Carter flaking out, we don't have our usual guys' guys list. So instead, I'm going to step in and bring out a list of my own. And these are the top five big men that remind me most of Carter Elliott. So starting out at number five, Glenn Davis, known as Big Baby. And quite frankly, it relates to Carter because Carter can be a big baby sometimes. Former star at LSU, won a national championship at Boston. More importantly, weighed around 290 pounds. Number four, we'll go with Eddie Curry, top five pick former NBA draft pick, reminds us of Corey Elliott because he's a big man with a lot of wasted potential. And more importantly, he weighed around 295 pounds. Number three, Dexter Pickman, four-year guy at Texas, played 50 games in the NBA, same amount of podcast Carter did before he decided to flake out on us. More importantly, weighed around 310 pounds. Number two, Michael Sweetney, All-American at Georgetown, stud college player, uh, Carter tried to be an All-American at the D3 level, so they kind of have that in common. And more importantly, he weighed around 350 pounds. And then number one, the guy who easily reminds me most of Carter Elliott is Sim Bullard. 
former WAC rookie of the year at New Mexico State, seven foot five big man, actually got some run in the NBA. More importantly, weighed around 360 pounds. And there you have it. Those are the top five guys that reminds me most of Corey Elliott for no particular reason. Just wanted to put that out there. And Corey, if you have a problem with it, go fight Coy. Tristan, that was incredible. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I got to be honest, though. I'm baffled that we were all able to listen to that without clicking through a 24-slide slideshow so that you could afford your craft singles in Code Red Mountain Dew. But uh, Tristan, I got to applaud you. That's growth right there. It really is. Speaking of growth, one thing I love about Carter Elliott is that he's grown so much as a person. I mean, physically, obviously, he's grown. He's shaped like high school Derek Nix, and he's married to a vegan. But think about it. For years, if I would have talked about Carter Elliott's growth, he would have swooped right in to say pause. But today, he's not even here to do it. That's growth. Or like the time in 2010, when two months apart from each other, Carter Elliott tweeted these two tweets in July 2010, quote, totally got some Taylor Swift CDs and blasted them with my windows rolled down so bishes will think I'm sensitive and shit and sleep with me. It's a real tweet. Two months later, though, look at the growth. Carter tweets this in September 2010. I'm going to come right out and say it. Mine by Taylor Swift is my shit. Hashtag that is all. Hashtag don't judge me. I mean, you have to applaud the growth. He's always evolving. He's always getting better and better. And while we're talking about growth, I'd like to introduce a man of many words, but growth is not one of them. He checks Eli Bedeker. If there was ever a person who could just perfectly encapsulate what it means to be all bark and no bite, it's Carter Elliott. I mean, the guy is six foot seven, and he'll tell you all the time that he's six foot seven. But he's six foot seven. He played basketball at the college level. He is a co-host for a very successful podcast that covers arguably the most recognizable conference in the entire sport. And yet, the Carter Elliott that I know and a few other people are beginning to know is someone who is just a second away from planning out a weekend vacation at a tiny house in the woods with matching pajamas and warm beverages and, and cozy socks. Or the type of person who will have maybe his 10 to 15 favorite Drake lyrics lined up for his next Instagram caption. He's probably got a few different Live, Laugh, Love posters saved on Amazon just waiting to order and hanging them up in his living room. Like, that's that's the type of Carter Elliott that I know. Not you know, not the six foot seven podcast of the former, you know, college athlete. That's a that's this Carter Elliott that a lot of other people know. So it's a shame that it has to be discovered this way, but let's call a spade a spade. The the real Carter Elliott is finally coming to light. I'm sorry it had to happen this way, and I feel bad for Greg, but that's the real Carter Elliott. Eli, that was great. Thank you very much for that. Uh the Big Ten's newest member, Eli, by the way. Washington fan, although sometimes a Purdue fan. I don't really get it, but who am I? I'm a mutant fan as well. You know, true story here about Eli. We had two separate Zoom calls with Eli this summer where Sleepers was potentially going to work with Heat Check. Uh, it, it, you know, just kind of never really got to the finish line there. 
mostly Eli just sort of ghosted us. But, uh, you know, the interesting thing is I texted him last night saying, do you want to roast Carter? And within 15 minutes, I had that video sent back to me. So uh, priorities, Eli, I really, really respect and appreciate that. Look, I can joke all day, but the truth is that it's really, really hard to replace Carter Elliott. I mean, let's just say hypothetically, this situation was flipped. If I told him I couldn't make an episode, Carter could just go out and choose one of approximately 500 million Caucasian men who love sports and want to podcast, even though they've never played a higher level than JV basketball. But when Carter leaves, what the hell am I supposed to do? I mean, where else can I find a six foot seven, 250 pound man? who is the VP of sales and information at his father's company, even though he hasn't gone into the office earlier than 1 p.m. in the afternoon once in the last three months. Where else could I possibly find a six foot six, 260 pound man who once scored six points per game for his division three basketball team, whose player bio on the Albion website still says emotional leader who likes playing video games. I mean, how could I possibly find another six foot five and a half, 285 pound man who spends more time doing voiceovers on his men's league highlights than he does anything else in his day-to-day life? Look, all jokes aside, Carter Elliott is truly one of one. I've told him this for years and I, I really genuinely believe this. Carter Elliott is the single thing that makes Sleepers Media special. He would even admit, he would tell you this every time we go to the final four, if we're on site anywhere, the night usually ends with both of us with a beer in our hands and me just emotionally spilling out to Carter about how good he is at all of this. And I really mean that there are thousands of other college basketball podcasts, hundreds of other media members. So many of them are just so similar and that's not a bad thing. They're all great at what they do, but none of them have what Carter Elliott has. And that's me. We love you, Cart. We hope you're having a great vacation. And without further ado, let's get to Greg Radio. All right. Clearly, I had way more fun with that than I anticipated. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed that. I love you, Carter. I'm, I'm afraid, honestly. I'm afraid for him to hear that and come back like I hate you now. Uh, let's just get to the comments. I asked everybody to send me voice notes. We're going to run this like a radio show. So welcome to Sleepers Live. Uh, let's take some callers, shall we? Travis Nelson. Hey, Greg, thanks for giving us a chance to do this this time. I appreciate it. And I'll get, I wanted to take this time to say my MSU fan and what it stems from. Obviously, my UP roots, I've said about, I grew up about an hour, hour and a half away from Tom Mizzle's Iron Mountain. And in 1973, my dad's high school team, where I went to high school, they beat Tom Mizzle and Steve Mariucci led Iron Mountain for the regional title. And somewhere back home, they have a picture of, he has a picture of them celebrating and is a whole pissed in the background that he signed for my dad. So that's what we have in our, our house. It's special. And they went to school together at Northern Michigan in college, and they've been friends ever since. And that is how I, my, got my Michigan State fandom. Didn't know when else I get a chance to tell the story. Haven't said it in the Discord or anything, so I took the chance now. Thank you, Greg, once again. First of all, it's a great story. Uh, thank you for the comment or the call in, Travis. Yeah, I always knew that Tom Izzo didn't have that dog in him, though. I mean, can we be honest? Like losing a regional final? You're Tom Izzo with Steve Mary. You lost in the regional final. Uh, but it is interesting how, like, everybody has their own 
personal stories of how you become a fan of things like everybody has a different reason and all of these reasons are equally strong like my reasons make no sense on paper why i love john beeline why i love mark d'antonio but don't like the other coaches like i don't know that's always been an interesting element of it to me but uh travis great to hear from you my friend appreciate you always being in the discord let's get to the next caller here hey houston sleepwalker Astros currently at five Ghostros. We were trying to make the Discord a little bit of money tonight. Uh, the first question is, how did you and Cart meet? I feel like you guys were frenemies at first and became best friends and co-workers. Here's how that dynamic is. Um, secondly, it's just your monthly reminder that you still owe me a beer. You're 0-1 against me on bets, even though you say you're the best better ever when it comes to personal bets. Uh, the bet was that Jay Nakins, Hogard, and Walker would all still be on the team this year. So just that monthly reminder for you. Thanks, bud. Uh, yeah, Matt, you're right. Matt's 1-0 against me. I think he's the only person on earth that uh, is 1-0 against me in personal bets. I got to meet Matt in Houston last year, and we were down there for the Final Four. And uh, first of all, awesome, awesome guy. He brought his wife along. We had a nice little like two-hour stretch at the table in the middle of all the field of 68 shows. And um, yeah, it, it, it's fun. That's the coolest part of doing any of this stuff is like, now I get to meet people who have shared mutual interest. And every time I meet anybody who's like, oh, I've seen your show or I've watched you on After Dark or I listen to Sleepers, it's just the coolest feeling. Um, I definitely owe Matt a beer. I owe you more than a beer. I'm going to buy like a whole day's worth of drinks the next time I see you. But I am going to get you back, though, because you can claim that you got the win, which you did with the three Michigan State guys coming back. I'm confident I'll get you back on the next one. In fact, I'd like to propose – that Jade Nakins never plays a minute in the NBA. I'd like to propose that as my next bet. Um, how did Carter and I meet? I kind of alluded to this in the roast, but uh, specifically one night it was at a New Year's Eve party. But the bigger story is that Carter played college basketball at Albion with one of my best friends who I went to high school with, Zach Hirth. Zach was his point guard. They were the same class. They were just like instantly best friends. It's kind of one of those things where like, you know, if you go to a different college than your best friends, you kind of just like mutually see the relationships they're building in college. And by default, you'll build your own relationships with those people, even if it starts out virtually. That's how it was. Like I could just tell Carter was this magnetic, hilarious human uh, based off what I was seeing him do with Zach while I was having my own experience at Michigan State. And then uh, Zach would bring Carter to East Lansing quite a bit. Um, I'm sure we even like crossed paths before the, the new year's Eve party, but that party was like, we left that night. And I literally remember telling my wife, like, I will fail in my life. If Carter Elliott's not in my wedding party. <laughs> and it was like a very creepy thing for me to say about someone brand new that I had just met. Um, but really we hit it off that well. Like you could just tell, like we wanted to sit in the corner and take shots while trying to name which college, every NBA player went to and try to trip each other up and the competitive juices were flowing. Uh, I'd never met anybody who was wired the same way I was like that. So uh, as you can see, there's a lot of chemistry between Carr and I thank you very much, Matt F for the call in sliding down here. I also really hope that I don't uh, miss anybody's comments here. I'm just keeping an eye on the discord as best I can, but uh, no promises. Here's one. Hey Greg, it's Coy. First time, long time. Got a simple question here. If you could pick one game in the out-of-conference slate to go to with Carter, 
as part of sleepers, where would you go? It's a great, great, great question. Uh, also, first of all, you're not kidding when you say first time, long time, but it is a great bit. I was hoping that many people would do the first time, long time bit for this. Uh, so I think my my big qualification here would be I want this to be somewhere we haven't been to yet. And my original thought would be getting out West, maybe uh, one of these like big 10 schools that are coming to the big 10 from California, but I don't really want to see UCLA or USC basketball this year, even though I should want to see USC. So I stumbled into this one. I want to go to Cameron indoor and I want to see Arizona Duke. I think that'd be really fun being there for the Caleb love return in a different uniform against the program he helped expel the greatest coach of all time to like that's going to be a moment whether Caleb loves fantastic whether he barely plays and uh two programs that are obviously loaded this year Arizona's going to be really good Duke's one of the best teams in the country so that's my answer I heard it's really hard to get tickets to Cameron Indoor though like Riley Davis of Riley Friday fame says he can barely ever get media credentials and uh, maybe that's the North Carolina Duke rivalry, though. Let's take another call here. Uh, this one was sent a different way than the others. Yo, Greg, what's up? It's Daniel Greer here. First time, long time. I had to call in and talk to you about Carter's Community Center Basketball League. Like, I have two issues. One, did he have to get the commissioner exemption to be the only player that's over 5'5 in this entire league? Like, dude is a monster out there among these little people. Like, what is happening? There's nobody that even comes up to his chin, and he's dominating with his videos and his voiceover work. All right, but that's not my biggest issue. My biggest issue is the fact that there is just a lack of wiggle. Like, who is this guy now? He's turning into Frank Kaminsky out there. Like, he's not even close to Shakira. With the hips don't lie? Shakira, Shakira. It's one of the greatest uh, things I've ever heard. I could listen to Daniel Greer talk all day long for the record. He has a great uh, podcast himself for the Memphis Grizzlies, Locked on Grizz. Highly recommend anybody listen to it. But uh, it, it, first of all, put some respect on Frank Kaminsky's wiggle for me. Okay. Like Frank had wiggle. That's a bad comp if we're trying to say Cart doesn't have wiggle. And I do think Cart has a little wiggle. His foot speed is definitely getting a little slower. Uh, the athletic, the jumping has never really been there from what I've seen, but that that's not a strong point right now, but the man has some moves. Like you give him the ball, get out of the way in the post. Like he will score. He will make something happen. Travion Williams ask, I would say good footwork, even if not good foot speed, but you're right. Uh, I mean, he's like way bigger than everybody else in that league, but I think that says more about how big Carter is. I think a lot of these people that look like they're five, five in these videos are actually like five eleven, six foot, but Cart's just huge, so it is what it is. Thank you for the call, Daniel. Uh, let's get to another one here. All right, so you're pretty good at So I wanted to ask you, if you and Carter were two of the starters, what three other big 10 players from the last 10 years would have to be in the starting lineup for you guys to make a final four? Well, that's such a great question. Uh, something happened to the audio on the front end of that, by the way, but that was from Craig. I mean, God, it's such a good question. It would have to be like three of the best players in the league in that span. And even 
if we had them, like I'm probably enough of a liability to not, not get there. I, I weirdly think you could get there with Carter. And if you subbed his Albion teammate, Zach in like Zach's in great shape and it was a great point guard. I, I weirdly think the two of them would like three national player of the years would work. Um, but for the sake of the exercise, we need a legit center. I'm going to say we'll take Zach Eady. I mean, I just think he's been the best center uh, defensive anchor. He would work. From there, we need – I mean, we obviously need athleticism. Like, we have nobody to guard the perimeter whatsoever. So, I'm going to take the best perimeter defender I can think of, which is Victor Oladipo. And, man, I, I don't mean to avoid Michigan State guys here, but I think, like, the one missing thing, if we have me, Carter, Oladipo, Edie, we obviously need to do it all point guard. And I'm not, I'm not going to pick anybody but Trey Burke. I'm just not. Trey's a guy we could give him the ball, get out of the way. I think we'd be fine. I actually like that team. I could spot up in the corner. I could hit threes at a Fletcher Lawyer rate for sure. And Carter probably loves that lineup because with Edie there, he doesn't have to do any of the big man stuff he hates doing. So he can be stretched four. But yeah, I don't. I don't think we'd make the tournament even. I'm too much of a liability at this point. Uh, thank you for the call, though, Craig. Another one coming. Hello, sleepers. I got a question for Greg today. Uh, a lot of good games to look forward to this season, but what are some matchups you wish we were seeing this year, uh, whether in the tournament or in the regular season? Doesn't matter. See ya. It's a fun one. Um, I, I keep naming Arizona in a lot of these, but I really want to see Tommy Lloyd against Gonzaga while Mark Few is still there, and I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, but that's no doubt one that I would absolutely love to see. Um, I'm also, I'm bummed that Kansas is playing Kentucky in the champions classic because I want to see Kansas play Duke or Michigan state. Like I think those three are clearly the top four teams in the country and, um, you know, Michigan State Duke is great. Like, I wouldn't want to take that away. I just wish we could see Kansas against, like, Hunter Dickinson against Michigan State would be fantastic. And the only way we're going to get that is in the NCAA tournament. So uh, those are the two that immediately come to mind. There's a lot of really good games this year, though. Like, I, I don't have too many complaints about things that we're missing. With all the preseason tournaments, like Maui Invitational and everything, even the Battle for Atlantis, I'm pretty excited about. So good question. Jay Meisner, thank you. Another one coming here. Hey, Greg, it's Keith Johnson, 32. I need to know what is your top five in the AP poll at the end of the non-conference because we have an absolute stacked Maui Invitational, including three of the top five in Kansas, Purdue, and Marquette, plus Tennessee, Gonzaga, Creighton, your boys are there too. Um so who's going to make it out of Maui unscathed? Then you got a Champions Classic, which has Kansas, Kentucky, and and Duke versus Michigan State. So what does the top five look like at the end of the non-conference schedule? Because right now, I think it's going to be Purdue, and I think it's going to be Michigan State in way too. It's a fantastic question. It's a, an absolutely incredible question. And I thought about this because I did pre-listen to this one. And I want to make sure I have a good answer. Uh, I totally agree with the two that you named. I think that if I have to bet on one team in Maui, I'm going to bet on Purdue. 
everybody knows I'm all in on the Boilermakers in like, I just have way too much Purdue stock, but uh, I really do. Like if, if everyone's going to say we're worried about Purdue in the NCAA tournament, we also have to admit that Purdue was so dominant in the non-conference last year against a really, really tough schedule. Like I, I can't gloss over the fact that they basically destroyed Duke, Gonzaga, and West Virginia back to back to back with a win over Marquette right before that string. Like that, that four game run was more impressive than anything any other team did last season, other than UConn in the NCAA tournament. So uh, I'm buying that Purdue will be really, really good in the non conference again. So they're in there. Michigan State is also in there because uh, I think Michigan State's going to beat up on a lot of teams in this non con. Duke and Arizona, very good teams. Baylor, is the only real other marquee non-conference game they have this year. Normally they play like four or five minimum really tough games. They've got three this year. And in my opinion, Michigan state's way better than Baylor. If they just split Duke and Arizona, then you end up with one loss in the non-con. You're absolutely one of the top four teams in the country at that point. Um, Outside of that, man, there's a lot of teams who are going to get beat up here. Like UConn plays Kansas and Gonzaga along with Indiana in the non-con and North Carolina in the non-con. I was looking at, like, like could Houston make a run? I think their schedule is wide open for it. Like, Xavier, Texas A&M are two of the toughest games they've got until they get to conference play. So I'm going to throw Houston in there. And then outside of the schedule that allows teams like Purdue – well, Purdue's schedule is tough. But Michigan State and Houston, I think, are kind of schedule-based of why why they'll be up there early – uh, I think the other two will just be who are the best teams in the country. So uh, by default, give me Duke, give me Kansas as my AP top five uh, at the end of non-conference play. Great question. Another one here. Hey, Greg, it's Natalie. So I have two questions. One, what was your favorite Halloween costume? Or what is your favorite Halloween costume like growing up? Um, also second question, do you and your wife have like any cute ideas like for a family, you know, Halloween costume, you know, like Wizard of Oz, Monsters, Inc., something like that. Let me know. Okay. Bye. Love the question, Natalie. Uh, so like, so spirited, by the way, we're almost at Halloween. I can't wait. My first Halloween is a father. My daughter's ready. She's going to be a cow, which, uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't love my wife loves it. And I'm just in supportive father mode for it. We do call her like Murphy Moo. That's a nickname. So I think that's where we're coming from with that. But uh, yeah, my wife was like, well, what are we going to be if she's a cow? And I was like, are we also going to be cows or are we supposed to be like farmers? Like, I I don't know. That's it. It it feels iffy to me. Uh, My I, I have two sister-in-laws i was an only child growing up but i have two sister-in-laws that all have young toddler aged kids and uh one of the families is going to do monsters inc as you just said they've got three daughters now and i think they've got like boo randall and mike wazowski as the three and i don't know what mom and dad are being but uh, that's probably the best one that i can think of and then growing up uh I was never into scary costumes. That probably doesn't surprise anybody out there, but I was never like, I don't know, like putting a scream mask on or, or going to like haunted house level costumes. I was more of going for humor or just something kind of out there. I think I was Elvis for like three years in a row from like 
fourth through seventh grade. And it was really easy. Just throw a wig on. And, you know, it, I always thought it was funny to get the candy while trick or treating and then hit him with like a thank you very much. Like it was a horrible impression, by the way. But uh, now my go to I do have one costume as an adult that I wear that's just obnoxious. It's just a huge box of crayons. So for the last 10 years back when I was in like corporate marketing job still, anytime there was a Halloween party, I would just be a massive box of crayons and that costume never changed. Still a great costume. Maybe I'll wear that while my daughter's a cow and everyone will be very confused. Another one here. Hey, Greg, it's Melba. Um, My question for you is which team this season do you think is going to go the longest before they take their first loss? Um, so for reference last year, New Mexico went 14 and 0 before they took their first loss on January 4th. Oh, it's a good question. You know, my gut wanted to say Florida Atlantic at first when I read this or when I heard this last night, and I didn't realize how good Florida Atlantic schedule is like they they bulked up this non-conference a good amount. I knew they had to play Illinois. I actually think Florida Atlantic can win that game, but they've also got Arizona on a neutral um, and a bunch of other like top 100-ish teams like Charleston and Liberty, Loyola's who they open the season with. Like They're going to stumble somewhere there. So I really do. I think it's going to be someone we don't expect. Like I don't think one of the top four or five teams in the country – is going to start out on this dominant tear this season. Um, Man, it's probably another mid-major. It's probably like a New Mexico again. But for the sake of just going with a team I feel pretty confident in, I'm going to go with St. Mary's. I'm going to go with St. Mary's. Their toughest non-conference game is San Diego State on a neutral. And I think St. Mary's is a better team than San Diego State this year. If they get through that, they don't play another top 50 Ken Palm team the rest of the way until they get to Gonzaga in February. So I think St. Mary's going to be really, really good this year. I think we could see like just a wins-loss record that we normally see from Gonzaga if they can take care of business in the non-con. But I love me some Aiden Mahaney. I think he can do that. So that's my answer, Melba. Very, very good question. Uh, scrolling down here, I think we have just one more to wrap the show here. Uh, and it's a great person to end the show with. Hey, Craig, it's Ulamog. I got to know if Michigan State's being haunted by the ghost of this Frank. It feels like every year there's one or two major foot injuries. Is this something specific to Michigan State? Or I'm just not noticing these issues at other schools. Thanks. So it definitely is happening a lot at Michigan State. And for anyone who doesn't understand, Liz Frank, a.k.a. the Liz Frank injury. I don't know what what a Liz Frank even is, but I know it's like the specific injury that keeps putting Michigan State players in walking boots. And uh, it's happening a lot at Michigan State for sure. I don't think there's anything tangible to point to that like we can say Michigan State is doing wrong that leads to this. I think it just happens a lot. But I will throw out like I think there is an element of a curse to this. And I people aren't going to like this, but there was a very specific moment in 2015. I've pulled up the article so I can actually quote him. Karis LeVert suffered a season-ending walking boot type injury for Michigan that season. 
and it was right before Michigan was going to play Michigan State. And Tom Izzo said, quote, uh, when you see a thing like Levert, and here's where I have changed. In the last three or four years, I'm in my basement. When the best player on somebody else's team went down, I'm not different than a fan. Hell, I'm happy as hell. And then he went on to say, what makes me sad, and this is what I think we really have to look into, is that this is an overuse injury. This was not an injury because something happened. This was an overused, overworked injury. Kind of blaming John Beeline for a Karis Levert injury. I never really liked that. And uh, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I know Michigan fans have always like carried a little grudge of like, you really like throwing the staff under the bus for the way they handled Karis Levert and led to this. Well, it seems like every single year since that, that curse in 2015, Michigan State has had at least one player in a walking boot. And I would not say that it's due to overuse. I would say that's just an unfortunate freak thing that keeps occurring. So, all right. Well, that was kind of a somber note to end this, but uh, Ulamog, shout out to you. Shout out to everybody who participated in this. I threw this out to the Discord yesterday, not knowing if people would want to do this or not. I know it's a big thing for... Uh, you know, people don't necessarily want to share their voice and have that heard. Uh, but we're building something special with the sleepers community. I believe that heart and soul wise, I'm having a blast with it. And uh, you guys just made this show great today. You put in the effort and uh, hopefully cards having a great vacation. We got to get this man back well rested better than ever to keep this rolling as we get into the season. But uh, I think it, it speaks very highly to everybody who watches the show on a regular basis and cares about sleepers that we were able to do a show without Carter today that I think turned out pretty well and was fun for everybody, hopefully. So appreciate everybody's involvement. I guess I got to give the plug. Join the Discord. It's $9.99 a month. There's a link in the description of this video. And uh, we also had a couple signups as well. Maybe it was just one sign out. It was Chris, I believe, who said he was new to the Discord. He gave a great comment that, uh, Chris, I promise you, we're going to read that the first episode that Carter Elliott is back, my friend. So appreciate everybody. Thank you to Eli, Tristan, and Riley as well for making appearances in the Carter Elliott roast. And thank you to the big fella himself, Carter Elliott. We'll see you when you return, my friend. Everybody have a fantastic day. I think the Sleepers podcast will be back on Friday. If not, I can't roast him again. That's too harsh on back-to-back days. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll see you soon.